Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are gathered today. In the name of Jesus, we find our life, our breath, our hope, our reason to live and to move and to have our being. God, thank you that in the name of Jesus, darkness not only trembles, but darkness flees. That in the name of Jesus, sin is defeated, the grave is no longer our biggest fear. Father, because of Jesus, we have life and life abundant. Because of Jesus, we have peace. Because of Jesus, we can be healed. Because of Jesus, your mercy and your love are displayed for us. Because of Jesus, we follow you and we give ourselves to you because of who you are and what you've done. Speak to us now as we turn to the pages of Scripture with these words from so long ago move in our lives and our hearts. God, teach us to love better. We pray in the name of Jesus, the one who scatters the darkness. Amen. You can be seated. Well, once again, let me welcome you to Faith Christian. So glad we get to spend this time together today. We exist here at Faith Christian for one reason, and that is to help people find and follow Jesus. If there's some way we can help you take your next step as a follower of Jesus, we would love to make that journey with you. Let us know how we can do that. I want to mention to you, just real quick, that uh, uh, by way of announcement, now that we're in the month of November, uh, we are continuing our faith student ministry. That's for our middle school and high school students. That happens on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock. So if you've got a middle school or high school student in your life, uh, uh, Noah would love to meet them and love to have them here tonight from 6 to 7.30 for our faith student ministries. And also, we're a month away from bringing back one of our favorite holiday traditions. Uh, as we get into the month of December, first Sunday of December, December 5th, uh, we're bringing back our, our Christmas craft workshop. We've done this for a lot of years. It's a fundraiser for our summer, stu- uh, summer trips for our student ministry. It uh, begins at 5.30 with a dinner, and then at 6 o'clock, there's booths set up where you make crafts and k- kick in a couple bucks, and all the money goes to help support our kids and our summer trips and our missions trips, things like that. And so that we haven't been able to do it for a couple years because of COVID and all the rest of the world blowing up, but we are gr- grateful we can bring that back this year. Um, if you haven't already been talked to by Amy Moeller and would be interested in setting up one of the craft booths, she would love to talk to you. If you don't know who Amy is, see me after the service, and I will get you in contact with her. We would love uh, for you to participate either by uh, lead, uh, hosting one of those uh, craft booths or by bringing your family and participating in a great night. Uh, that's on December 5th. We'll talk more about that as we get closer to it. Well, again, to this morning, I say to you, welcome home. Uh, that is our theme this fall. We've been using this imagery of welcome home, this imagery of a home, uh, of, of the warm, inviting part of a family and home uh, to kind of set our teaching and to kind of uh, bracket our teaching. We began by talking about how God wants to welcome each of us home, back home to him in a relationship with him. We looked at that beautiful story that Jesus tells uh, in Luke chapter 15 about, we call it the story of the prodigal son. We looked at, at great length at that story. Uh, last month, in the month of October, we used uh, the imagery of home to talk about your home. And we talked about, our topic was uncommon families and what does it look like today to have a family that doesn't look like everyone else's but a family that works because we're following the principles and boundaries that God set forth for us for how to do family Uh, this morning and in the month of November we're turning our attention to a different topic still using this imagery of home but we're talking about the very specifically this month about the church and how uh, the church the imagery of home and family are great metaphors for what the church is and what the church should be so that's what we'll be doing all through the month of november through thanksgiving weekend is talking about the church 
And anytime we have a conversation about the church, we have to begin this conversation. It's a month-long conversation. We have to begin this conversation with a bedrock foundational truth. Because everything that we do, uh, that we talk about this month, bases itself on this truth, this bedrock foundational principle truth. Um, I, I call it a, a, a top button truth. What I mean by that is your button in a shirt, if you get the top button wrong, you know, everything else gets a little wonky. If we miss this principle, if we miss this truth, everything else we do as a church gets a little wonky. Everything's a little bit off if we don't get this, this important, critically important truth correct. And we've got to, we, we have to identify it, we have to repeat it, we have to remind ourselves of it. And when I give you this bedrock, core, foundational truth, about any conversation, it's better for any conversation we have as a church, it's better for anything we do as a church. When I give you this truth, when I give you this, this foundational statement in just a minute, you're going to think to yourself, you ready? Here's what you're going to think. I know you. You're going to think, well, duh. Because what I'm about to say is so bizarrely simple, you're going to wonder why we're going to waste a whole 25 minute sermon time on it. Here's why. I have been in some aspect of church leadership for nearly 30 years now. It's been a minute. I've been around. I've seen some things. <laughs> I've seen some things I can't unsee. And in my nearly 30 years of church leadership, I'm going to tell you, we forget this. Oh, we don't mean to forget it, but we forget this. Churches forget this. This often gets ignored. Are you ready? Here it is. Any conversation we have about the church, anything we do as a church, from faith student ministry to Christmas craft workshops to what we're doing right now, all begins with this foundational truth. You ready? Nod your head. Let me know you're ready. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the centerpiece of our faith. Jesus is the centerpiece of what we are and who, uh, who we are and what we do. Jesus is the hinge point of history. Jesus is the shining star in God's plan. Jesus is the missing piece in every human longing. Jesus is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. So whatever we do as a church, whatever you do in your life, there's one thing we can't do, and as we cannot lose sight of the simple truth that it is all about Jesus. Jesus says this about himself in John chapter 12. He says, when I am lifted up, I will draw everyone to myself. Now, Jesus is talking very specifically about his crucifixion when he says this, but I love this imagery. I love this image of Jesus being lifted up so he can draw people to himself. It's a reminder of how one of our main jobs as followers of Jesus, as a group of people who follow Jesus together, that's what a church is, as a group of people follow Jesus, one of our main jobs is to get out the way so that people can see Jesus. Not me, but Jesus. So that they're drawn to Jesus. So many people in our world, in our culture, in our community, in our county, in our country, so many people today are really turned off by Christianity. I didn't need to tell you that. You already knew it. So many people are increasingly convinced that religion is the problem and that if we can just get rid if we can just rid society of religious radicalism then the world would be a better place and almost always 
the arguments and the criticisms and the disgust and the frustration that people feel, almost always, it's never really about Jesus. It's almost never about Jesus. But it's almost always about the Christians, the people who claim to follow Jesus. It's almost always about us. And so we've got to figure out a way that Jesus can be lifted up, making it all about him because Jesus is attractive and Jesus is welcoming and Jesus is engaging and Jesus is thoughtful and Jesus is wise and people are fascinated by him and people are drawn to him if we can just get out of the way. And that's the kind of church we want to be. Never making it about us. I'm lifted up, I'll draw everyone to myself because it's all about Jesus. You know, when you look at Scripture, it's really hard to miss this point. All of Scripture points to Jesus. The entire Bible is, is God's revelation, God's Word pointing to His Word, the, the Word that becomes flesh, Jesus. At the creation, at the very beginning of the Bible, at creation, it's about Jesus. The Bible even says that all things were created in Him and by Him and for Him. When we get to the prophets of the Old Testament, all these prophets are all pointing forward to the Messiah, to Jesus. And then when we get to the New Testament, the New Testament is just filled with all these arrows and flashing neon lights and bells and whistles going off, all pointing to one direction, pointing to Jesus. The New Testament begins this way, with a genealogy. By the way, we're going to talk about that at Christmas time this year. I'm kind of excited about it. And the genealogy in Matthew is kind of this slow drum roll. Off in the distance, you hear building and building, starting way, way back in the day, and building slowly and slowly in this giant crescendo through the generations until finally there's this huge symbol clash, and there is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's how the New Testament begins. And then Jesus is the one who John will say in the New Testament that in him there is life, that there's no life outside of Jesus. Jesus himself would say that I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the resurrection and the life. And then some years later, the Apostle Paul will write this amazing line in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, I resolved to know nothing, nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's where his focus, his laser focus was on Jesus. That was the focus of his ministry. That was the focus of everything he did as he went around planting churches, preaching the word, the, the, the news of Jesus. So let's keep this simple. Let's keep this message clear. Let's keep it, keep it easy. It's all about Jesus. I mean, think about it for a second. None of us, and, and, and some of you are really talented and really important and really good, but none of us can really do anything that amounts to anything of any real spiritual substance or lasting worth on our own. None of us can do that on our own strength and power. Jesus himself reminds us of this in John 15, 5. He uses an agricultural metaphor to make this point. He says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. He's saying you are, you're grafted into me. You draw your strength, your nutrients from me. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. You can do some stuff. But Jesus says, but apart from me, you can do nothing. 
You see, church, without Jesus, we're just a club. We're just a club, a social gathering. Some would say a bunch of religious nut jobs. And I don't know about you, but I don't need that. I, I, I don't want that. Without his power at work in our lives, can anyone change a human heart? Do, do, do any of us have the power to forgive someone what only God can forgive? Do we have the power on our own to help someone or even ourselves cure an addiction or help someone reverse their selfishness and become free? For some greedy person to become a generous person? Some mean-spirited person to undergo such a radical transformation that they're now kind? None of us can do those things, but Jesus can. And he still does. Which is why we're going to, as the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. We're going to focus on the one person who can heal, who can put families back together, who can save, who can redeem, who can change people, because it's all about Jesus. Listen to me, this is important. People don't need faith christian church people need jesus and there's a big difference and so we're going to keep that straight around here they don't need anything that we do they need jesus there's this great old latin phrase that goes like this ubi christus ibi ecclesia i throw stuff like this every now and then so you'll think i'm smart <laughs> ubi christus ibi ecclesia it's a really cool and important truth from Ignatius right back to the time just after Jesus was here. here Ignatius was the early church father. Here's what it means. Wherever Jesus is, there's the church. Wherever Jesus is, there's the church. Where Jesus is, God shows up. Where Jesus is, grace happens. Where Jesus is, life change happens. Where Jesus is, good things will happen. It's not the other way around. It's not wherever the church is, well, that's where Jesus shows up. That's not the way it works. It's not if you want to find Jesus, you've got to come to the church to find Jesus. That's not the way it works. No, no. It's, G it's, not, it's not Jesus who needs us and our community and our ministry. It's us, our ministry, that needs Jesus because it's all about Jesus. We need his power, and we need his presence, and we need his love. We need his leadership. So, so what does all this mean for us? If it's truly all about Jesus, why is it so important that we remember this? Well, I got four things for you real quick today. Four, four important implications for our faith community, for this church, who, who, for who we are as a church, for what we do as a church. Here's the first one. When we remember that it's all about Jesus, it helps us realize whose church it is because this is important for us to remember whose church it is jesus answered this question himself in matthew 16 he says i will build my church is it your church somebody say no is it your church no is it my church is it somebody else's church turn to the person next to you right now and look at them with all love and sincerity and say it ain't your church that's right, that's right. go ahead and do it it ain't your church it's Jesus's church, and that's really, really important that we remember that. One of the reasons that it's so important that we remember this, 
One of the reasons it's so important that we, that we remember that it's Jesus' church is that when things are going really, really well around here, when things are amazing, and there's success, and there's momentum, and everyone's saying how great things are at the church, and we're growing, and more people are coming to know who Jesus is, and they're finding Jesus, and they're following Jesus, and life change is happening, and everyone is saying, wow, what an amazing church. Wait a second, whose church is it? It's Jesus' church. So all the glory and all the credit and all the praise always goes around to Jesus, not to the person on the platform, not to the person teaching or singing, but to Jesus. All the glory goes to Jesus. But listen to me. It's also really important that, we're, that we remember whose church it is when things around here really stink. Because sometimes they do. And it's hard sometimes we fail sometimes we let people down sometimes we mess up sometimes a global pandemic happens <laughs> sometimes we get lazy and complacent sometimes we get tired sometimes we just don't get it right and in those moments I lay my head down at night and I pray. Jesus, you better do something about your church because I'm going to bed. <laughs> and you know what? He does. He does. Here's the second thing. Remembering that it's all about Jesus helps us identify ourselves. It helps us know who we are. Here at Faith Christian, we are just basic, generic Christians. It's not very interesting sounding, I guess, but that's just that, that's just who we are. We're just basic Christians, just simply Christian. We're, we're here at Faith Christian. We're what you call a non-denominational church. Here's what that means. Jesus said, um, "I will build my church." We just saw that verse a minute ago. I will build my church. So that means Jesus has how many churches? One. Yeah, he's going to build my church. So we think think of an umbrella. There's one umbrella church. But underneath this umbrella of churches, we have divided it up into all kinds of labels and categories and denominations and flavors of churches. Listen, those are just brands. Those are just kinds of churches under the one church of Jesus. So under the umbrella, we've got Baptists and we've got Methodists and we've got Lutherans and Wesleyans and Presbyterians and Pentecostals and Catholics and Moravians and all everything else. And they're all underneath that one church. So faith Christian church is just not one of those. That, that's it. It's pretty simple sounding, but that's what it is. We don't have anything against them. Those denominations, we're just not one of them. We don't have a headquarters. We don't have a hierarchy. There's not some office in Columbus that sends us money and tells us how to do things. Nobody tells us what to do. We're just not one of those churches. We're just one local group of Jesus followers who have banded together and said, we just want to keep Jesus first. We just want to help people find and follow Jesus because Jesus is what matters the most. So that's what non-denominational means. Just keep it simple, keep it basic. That's, that's what that means. Here's the third one. Remembering that it's all about Jesus reminds us that we are in the restoration business. Our non-denominational church is a part of a group of churches globally that is historically known as the restoration business movement that's a pretty good word jesus himself is the ultimate restorer 
bringing all things made new in Christ. Jesus is in the restoration business, and we are too, with him. Because we, we, where he is, that's where the church is. We are a part of a movement that is moving things towards him, towards restoration. Some of you are car people. You love to work on old cars, or at least you like to go to the car show and look at the old cars that have been made to look like they're new again. And all the dents are popped out, and the brand new tires, and there's a shiny new paint job, and sharp wax on it, and that old engine's just running like a peach. All that chrome is nice and shined up and sparkly. It looks, that car looks like the day it did when it rolled off the assembly line. What's that process called? When you make an old car look new, what's that called? Restoration. Or for you art fans, I mean, you have an old painting that's been hanging in a museum for 100 years or so, and it's got all this dust and crud and oil and stuff that's all over, and it looks worn out and faded and cracked, and you can barely see the painting. But now they have these new high-tech lasers that come in there, and it lifts all that crud off of the painting. And the original colors just begin to pop off the canvas like it was just painted yesterday. And you can see the work of art and all of its beauty. What's that process called? Restoration. Listen to me. What if? What if we could do what we do with an old car, what we do with an old painting, what if we could do that with the church? What if we could just go back and make it new again? What if we could go back to discover what it would be like, what the church would be like in the mind of Jesus when it first came off the assembly line? To go back, all the way back, not, not just to some, some century ago, not to some generation that we hold with such weird nostalgia, but all the way back. And we punch the dents out, and we shine it up, and so we could do church and be church with Jesus simply. Like, like before it got layered over with all these man-made traditions and garbage and philosophies and politics that got added in that have nothing to do with what's in the Bible at all, but just go all the way back to follow the river back up the mountain to its source where the water is the cleanest and the purest right out of the pages of the Bible. Could we do that? Could we just restore it? And if you follow that restoration path back far enough, do you know where you end up? You end up right at the feet of Jesus. He looks you in the eye and says, follow me. Follow me, and together we'll change the world. That's all we are. That's who we are. We're in the restoration business. And in this process, we're helping people get their own lives restored as well. That's why we say around here all the time, we are here to help people find and follow Jesus. This truth is that, it, that, that it's all about Jesus helps us remember these important things. But this truth is also the center of our faith, both individually and together as a community. So here's number four. Remembering that it's all about Jesus allows us to experience and to remember that the good news of Jesus is actually good news. You know, for a lot of people, the good news, the message of Jesus, feels like a to-do list. It feels like a burden. It feels like a chore. 
That word gospel, we use that word gospel around here all the time. The word gospel simply means good news. It's another language for good news. And the word evangelist, that's another word you hear around church all the time, evangelist. The word evangelist is actually the same word in the original language as gospel. It's good news. The evangelist is just someone who tells the good news. In the ancient cultures, an evangelist was literally the person who would announce victory in a battle. So someone goes off to war, your country, your kingdom, then you go off to war, and you win the war. And so somebody comes back, when they come back to town, they yell, we won, we won the war. That's the evangelist's job. That's what the evangelist does, announcing something that has already happened. So when we use the word good news or gospel, it's a reminder that this is not a command for you and me. It's not a command for us to do anything. It is an announcement that God has already done something through Jesus. It's already done. The, the battle is over. The victory is won. Do you see the difference? It's already done. That means that if you are a Christ follower, you live in a world, you live under a banner that says it is finished. The victory is already won. It's over. It's done. It's a grand announcement. And so then the determining factor in your relationship with God is not the work you do for Jesus. The determining factor in your relationship with God is the work that Jesus has done for you. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The gospel is a story where Jesus is the hero. And it's all about what he has done. It's really not about you. And what this does is this frees us. This liberates us from what somebody called performanceism. It's not a real word, but I really like it. Performanceism. Where we're always trying to perform. We're always trying, we think we have to do a bunch of good deeds, or I've got to, to act good, I've got to be good, I've got to perform good enough for God to love me. I've got to perform good enough for God to give a rip about me. If I do enough good things, or if I think enough good thoughts, not na naughty thoughts, but good thoughts, if I think enough good thoughts, then, then I might get to heaven because God will maybe be okay, not mad at me, but okay with me. Or if I get my ticket punched to heaven already, then I think I've got to stay and I've got to earn my keep. I've got, to, I've got to make sure I keep, my, keep God's approval and work to, to my way out of his disappointment so I can keep my ticket to heaven punched. It, it, it's like the, this idea that so much good behavior on my part generates affection on God's part. But if I'm bad, then that puts me on the wrong side of it. So, so what we think is how God thinks of me, his relationship with me, we think is all based upon what I do or what I don't do. And friends, that's not good news. That's burdensome. That's a chore. Because listen, none of us are that good. And some of you are pretty good. But none of us are that good. And you won't make it. You, you won't last. You'll get burnt out. You'll get discouraged. And you'll learn to be like a lot of people who call themselves Christians. And you'll just learn how to fake it. And fake it till you make it, as they say. And you'll make people think that you're good. That's no fun at all. The good news is actually good. And the reason that it's good is because God has already done something. So you don't have to keep trying to do it. You don't have to earn your way to God. <laughs> you couldn't do it anyway. 
but you don't have to. You don't have to work hard enough to keep your status with God. You couldn't do it anyway, but you don't even have to try. So if that's true, if the good news really is good news, if we can stop trying to earn God's love or trying to keep God's love, the question becomes, what are you going to do now? Now that you don't have to do anything. I'm going to leave you with that. Let's pray. God, thank you for the good news of Jesus. Thank you for the finished work on the cross. Thank you that the victory has been won. That we're not in a battle. We're, we're not seeking a victory because it has been accomplished. God, thank you that we don't have to do anything to earn your love. Because God, we couldn't do enough. We could never do enough to earn it to deserve it but father because of who you are you give us that love you give us that grace and that mercy and it's displayed for us on the cross of calvary and so as we come now to our time of communion we consider that cross we consider this finished work we consider that the, it has been done and without us being able to do, and do anything to earn it, Father, we humbly come and receive your love, your grace, your victory because of the broken body and blood of Jesus. So bless now these emblems as we take them. May by your spirit take these common pieces of bread, this common juice and these cups and turn it into something supernatural as we partake in the body and the blood of Christ. We pray this in the name of Jesus who is victorious.